Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon for those on the East Coast. This is David Cook with another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. Yahoo. Hey, you know what? This is my first day back in Scottsdale, Arizona, after a eight-week break in Detroit, Michigan. And you probably, not everybody knows this, but uh, those who know me well know that I, uh, um, you know, how, you know, it became really cool, de rigueur. If you were very wealthy, you say, I summer in the Hamptons or whatever. Well, I don't summer in Detroit, but I do have summer in Detroit. I'm fortunate enough to uh, have a client who puts me in Detroit about half the summer from uh, the middle of July till right after Labor Day. So I get a break from the sweltering, oppressive heat known as summer, uh, summer in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, but yesterday I returned, and here I am. I'm back in Arizona, uh, settling in. I have to say, after a 30-hour car ride, um, I'm a little bit discombobulated, but I'm here and I'm ready to kick off this show. Um, and before you all go, what car ride you drove? Yes, I drove. Part of the reason of spending eight weeks in Michigan is I take my two bicycles with me, my gravel bike and my road bike. I've got several groups of good um, acquaintances that I ride with, and that's part of the joys of being in Michigan in the summertime is that I get to at least get out early in the morning in 60 and 70 degree mornings and ride my bike as opposed to 80 or 90 degree mornings here. So anyway, I'm back, 30 hour drive. Um, I'm drinking my coffee and I'm juiced up and I'm ready to share some stuff with you. Today, we're going to talk about time. And we're going to talk about time a little bit. Um, I, I'm guestless. Yes, I'm guestless. Um, that's what happens when you uh, forget to tee somebody up. Anyway, I am guestless. It's the fault of me. See, and we'll talk about time and time management. And this is a perfect example of something that fell through the cracks because I wasn't paying attention. Um, and that's why I'm doing this episode because I'm going to brag, but I'm also going to um, tell on myself. And so that's what the purpose of this episode is. But we're going to talk about time, but time as it relates to our habits, our behaviors, our routines, and how some of those habits, behaviors, and routines don't serve us. But we've gotten so embedded in them that when we start to say, you know, look at how busy we are or how fully engaged we are or how active our lives are, we go, oh my gosh. I don't have time for and fill in the blank. And I wish I had more time to fill in the blank. And the truth of the matter is, and this is this is a Dave theory, is, is that you've got the time. You just have to decide um, how you how what you want, how you want to find it, create it, um, redeploy it, whatever. And I think that that's really important because um, there's only 24 hours in every day. Time is a commodity. You either invest it or you lose it. You can't get it back. So whatever you do with it, if you invest it, you spend some time on something and you're saying, I'm I'm spending time on this so that whether I'm teaching somebody or I'm um, organizing my life or whatever, that's good. That's time spent, well spent. And you have to look at an investment. Am I, am I getting creating productivity out of this activity or am I getting organized and am I going to leverage the organization or I'm just doing it and then forget about it? So that how you invest it, how you deploy what you've invested is important or you just use it. You know, you show up in the morning, you dive into your work or you dive into your routine. And then by the end of the day, it's holy crap, I'm done. 
And um, so it's it's important. There's 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It doesn't change. You never get more. And truth of the matter, you never have less, even though it doesn't feel like you have enough sometimes. So let's talk a little bit about time, first of all, because I think it's a big deal is um, we can we have control of our time for the most part. We can say yes to invites. We can say no to invites. Some of these activities that we get invited to by our boss or things that we've committed to, obviously, um, you know, we we are more inclined to feel like we have to say yes. And I would agree if we've made a commitment to somebody to do something or we've made commitment a commitment to our job to perform a certain function how somebody else defines, um, you know, needs our time or utilizes our time, you got to, you know, do some things to make yourself more available. But that doesn't mean you're giving people permission to waste your time. It means that you have to recognize that you are honoring your commitment to be available in ways that people have identified their need for you. The other side of the equation, though, is do I have habits routines, behaviors, activities that I use right now that maybe now today don't serve me, but they've always served me very well because that's just how I did things. I have a lot of friends who get up super early in the morning. When I say super early, that's, you know, three thirty, four o'clock, you know, they talk about, they put the coffee on and they start cranking their day out, you know, and in reality, they're not working at five o'clock. Um, they're done at two thirty or three. So the people who start at, you know, five or six are working until five or six, you know, the same kind of math. So, most people don't work <laughs> just because they get up at three o'clock. They don't work till nine o'clock at night. Most people who get up at six work until five or six. Most people who get up at 10 and there are those who do it work until 10 o'clock at night. So we all have kind of like the same available time to be busy. And then we also created a certain amount of time to be available to do the things that we want to do. And then we've also created a certain amount of time to recover, i.e. sleep, eat, relax, decompress. So, Let's look at that for a minute. Um, how you start your day is entirely up to you. Um, I, I have always been a person who starts my day very, very early in the morning. For me, very early. Now that I'm getting older, it feels even earlier. But um, 5.15 is is my is my wake-up time. I get up about 5.15. I putz around, pour myself some coffee, get organized. And depending on what's going on in the day, um, sometimes I get out for a bike ride. Sometimes I prepare for a meeting. Sometimes I get in my car and drive somewhere. But I organize my day um, based on getting up at 5.15 unless like tomorrow I have a five o'clock conference call Phoenix time to meet with my client at eight o'clock in the morning. So Dave's going to be up at four instead of um, 5.15. And, you know, I'm going to be on a call at five o'clock instead of still like stirring and sleeping in bed until my alarm goes off, which nowadays I'm almost beating my alarm. So things do flex. But time, you're not a victim to time. You do have control over it. And I know that a lot of people say, no, you, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. But the, the reason that you know that you struggle with not having you know, the belief that you don't have control over time is that you don't haven't really spent time challenging yourself um, as to this is my theory as to how I'm using my time. Am I making the most of the time that I have? Am I being efficient? Am I being organized? Have I looked at my habits, my rules, my processes, my behaviors? Are they serving me today? 
And I had a conversation uh, last week with somebody and they were saying, yeah, I really, I knew I'd love to get to the gym. And, and I understand the situation. Um, in fact, I had this conversation twice last week, both with single moms. And both of them said, I would like, I, I need to find more time to um, do the exercises that one was talking about cycling. One was talking about getting to the gym. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, um, something I read in a book, I wish I could remember the author, but the person said, what you need to do is you find, you know, need to find a time where nobody needs you. Need to find a time where nobody needs you. That's the time that you can call your own. Now, we all know that the easiest time to identify where nobody needs you is early in the morning when nobody else is up or late at night after everybody's gone to bed. That's usually the easy ones. But the point of that, the, the, the question is, where do I have time? Where can I create time? Well, you can start at the end, the bookends of the day, first thing in the morning, first and the last thing at night. And in both situations with, with the mom, the one says, well, you know, I probably could do that. Um, uh, but I like, I think it's important for me to be home when my uh, kids get up. But, yep, I think it is important for you to be home with your kids get up, if that's the most important thing. But that doesn't mean that she can't do it. You know, that person can't do it. It means that they have decided that from a priority point of view, the, the time that they thought they could probably use to go to the gym is more importantly spent um, preparing their kids for school, meeting them for breakfast, getting their day organized and stuff like that. Who's going to argue with that? I'm definitely not. In fact, what I'm going to do in that situation is I'm going to encourage the mom to forgive herself for not maybe being able to get up early enough to go to the gym because she's created a priority that says, I have to be home for my kids. Now, the backside question is that, can you get up before that and get in a quick workout? Do you have to go to the gym to get in a workout? Can you redefine um, the way, uh, how you quantify um, exercise or an exercise routine? And I think that that's, that's the, the question. It's like, you know, we limit. We say, well, I don't have time. I can't. Well, you can. The question is, you know, what does it look like? So time is, time is really, you know, how much time we have is really a byproduct of how we utilize it, how we structure it, how we define it. And that's why when I say that, it goes back to our habits. If my habit is I get up at five o'clock every day, um, then I'm going to fit and I go to bed at nine o'clock every night. I'm pretty consistent with that. My window for getting things done is essentially between five and nine every day. Now, what I have to get done in that day is I have to, you know, I have to go to the gym or I have to, you know, I have to do a daily exercise. I make dinner every night for my family. I have a client or two or three I have to support. I have um, uh, individuals that I coach on a regular basis that I have to be, that, uh, that our time is blocked out. I'd like to have more time for me to do some reading. Um, and there's a couple of, uh, I'm going to confess, there's a couple of TV shows that I'm going to watch. So I'm looking like, oh my gosh, my whole day is so full. I have no more extra time. Yeah, I do. But I need to be willing to say, how do I move things around? Or how do I do things differently? How do I um, engage in different behaviors in such a way that I can that I can find time or make time? And I think that's where we get stuck is that we, we've gotten in these habits and these routines and these behaviors. And they say, these work for me. Great. They work for you until you find out that you need something else. You need more time. You need more freedom. You need more flexibility. 
Well, because you have a limited time in the day, you only have 24 hours, you have to decide how you're going to navigate um, a limited resource and create something from a limited resource that you don't believe is possible. James Clear um, is the person we're going to talk a little bit about today as we talk about this time stuff. James Clear is an author who wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And um, with no disrespect to James Clear, I think um, um, the book is good, but it's not it's not great. But it's only for me not great because I was already uh, mainly into many of the things that he talked about. So it wasn't like an eye opening experience for me. But what I did find was it was a great way to teach others on how to look at their habits. What habits serve you? What habits and behaviors don't? And how do you get honest with yourself about those things? What are you protecting and defending that serves you? And what are you protecting and defending that does not? Those are honest conversations. And so that's that's where we're going to start a little bit today is we're going to talk a little bit about your habits, habit-forming activities. So what is a habit? Well, a habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice. It's a settled or regular tendency or practice. And it's especially one that's hard to give up. And I and I say that if you can see me, you know, I'm seeing myself on the monitor as I'm taping this, um, the big smile I get on my face, because I think hard to give up is the part, right? We all hate change. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, I am probably, you know, I would say that in terms of adaptability, I'm probably one of the most adaptable people in the world. But when I find something that I like, um, it it would take a lot for me to change. In fact, I just found out today or yesterday um, that my uh, yoga studio is closing and transferring my membership to another uh, another studio, fran- franchise studio in the area. And the first thing I did was, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, all these classes, I built this routine for my classes, nine o'clock on Monday, noon on Friday. You know, how am I going to do that? What if they don't offer my classes? So I started thumbing through them. And sure enough, they don't have my classes at those days. Fortunately, yes, they did. They added a noon Friday. So Friday doesn't change. It just location changes. It adds five minutes to my trip. Um, that's an easy shift. But the Monday morning, I usually haven't gotten in a nice habit of nine o'clock in the morning on Mondays. Guess what? can't do that. There isn't a nine o'clock Monday morning. So my choices are 6 a.m. I can do that. Um, Noon, I cannot because I'll be just wrapping up this radio show. Um, And then seven, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm not a big fan of afternoon workouts. Could I? Sure. But it's not my desired thing. So the question goes, okay, Dave, six o'clock in the morning on Mondays is your new opportunity, new habit. How's that going to work? So what do I do? I look at my Monday routine and say, how do what do I shift around? How do I make this work? And then, and lo and behold, as I started to do that planning this morning, I realized that getting up at five o'clock in the morning still allows me time to get to the gym. The only difference is I don't get to have my cup of coffee and read the newspaper and make some journal notes in the morning to start my day. But I'm going to transition that start of the day to a different start of the day, I'm going to show up and start doing yoga, mind, body, spirit um, stuff anyway. And then I get back from my yoga class at, you know, seven o'clock. So I'll be home at 730. I have a cup of coffee and guess what? 730 in the morning is when everybody else is starting to go to work. And so now I can just dig into working with my clients 
and um, also has gives me a little bit more transition time between the um, the end of my yoga class and the beginning of my radio show. So in my mind, even though it's the same amount of time, where I positioned it, I actually picked up time on Monday to to do some things in before the show. Because right now, when I'm doing the show, the show starts at um, at eleven o'clock uh, Arizona time. I get home at ten fifteen, and in half an hour, I've got to transition from uh, my gym clothes, grab something to drink, grab something to eat, make you know, take my notes, and I have to be at you know, sitting here at my desk, ready to have this the show at eleven o'clock. I get I have forty five minutes now. I get home at seven thirty, and I've got three and a half hours. I think that's a gift. I picked up time as a result. But the thought of change yesterday panicked me and got me frustrated. And I got all worked up. And then when I stepped back and I said, I looked, I said, oh, this is going to be good. I can work this into my routine. Um, the difference being is, is what what do I lose? I lose reading the paper in the morning. Um, but um, what do I do after dinner? I usually, or what do I do at the end of the day after dinner? I decompress. I turn on the, you know, sometimes I turn on the TV. Sometimes I read a book. So now instead of reading a book first, what I might do is I might glance at the paper and make some notes, or I might glance at the paper after I get organized for the show, um, before I get engaged and pulled into other meetings. So it's just a matter of semantics. I am changing my routine. I'm changing my habit. But at the same time, I'm um, I look at it that I'm picking something up as a result, a whole different a whole different way of doing things in a way that in my mind I've actually picked up time. So anyway, back to the that's a you know down a rabbit hole. Sorry about that, but that's the point. We hate change, and the idea of changing our routine puts us in a situation where we go, oh, not me. I that, I can't do it. Well, can't is won't. And I don't think any of us want to say that I refuse to change things in my life. So can't watch your language. Can't do it is not instead of saying I can't do it. It's more like if I could, how can I do it? Solve for the problem. The solve for the problem is, is that I need to do, I need to change things or I need to look and examine things. How do I change them when I'm reluctant to remember, especially, you know, habits are especially hard to give up. So how do I do that? So be honest with yourself. The first step in everything is, is that um, identify habits that serve you well. Be very clear. There are some things that serve me well. Getting up at 5.15 in the morning serves me well. Getting up at 16.15 in the morning doesn't serve me well because I'm in this routine of getting up early and having some time to myself to get organized. I think that starts me off right. If I, if I go on a bike ride at 6 o'clock in the morning, um, I'm home at 7.30, my day is 100% more productive. I have more energy. I have more clarity. I'm focused. And in some respects, because I've been riding the meditational aspect of a bike ride, just puts me in a different mood, a different mindset. That's a habit that serves me well. Um, an example of a habit that doesn't serve me well, I don't know, eating popcorn. But, you know, um, that's a good question because I like to feel like I got most of my stuff worked out. A habit that doesn't serve me well is um, I think sometimes that uh, I just kind of like I check out in the afternoon. There's times where I just say, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I, I take a, I might take a 15 or 20 minute hiatus. And I don't think that that's really good because I think it's at a point where I should, in my mind, should be pushing through 
And when I step back and say, I'm done, and I shut down for half an hour and just go put my feet up and put my head back and close my eyes, um, um, or me, I think, you know, yes, do I feel do I feel better? Sure. Do I feel recharged? If I want to say I feel recharged, sure. But what I really did was I just said, I can, you know, I, I don't feel like working right now. I'm going to take a break. And um, in some respect, that doesn't serve me well because I'm not doing anything. Now we could have a and some some life coaches, and I know some right now are if they're listening to the show going, Dave, that's great. You're recharging, you're meditating, you're clearing your head. It's just like my bike ride. Yeah, probably. But at sometimes I feel like I'm goofing off. And so I would challenge myself to say, is it really productive or not? And I would have a conversation with a life coach and say, here's the judgment and the shame that I'm heaping on myself or goofing off for half an hour in the afternoon. And then I would sit with a coach and they'd say, let's talk about what you're gaining and talk about what you're losing. And it might end up being something, a habit that that is that is um, is good for me. But the other thing is, is that when we're looking at those things, is like, um, for example, there's some things that I don't do well. Um, I'm not I'm not great at techn technology. Uh, if I had to edit the uh, the videotape of this show, um, it would take me hours. Thank goodness I have an engineer, sound engineer through Voice America that records the shows and 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 um, makes populates it as a podcast later on and stuff like that. Thank goodness they're there for me because it's not something I could do. I the hour that I spend or the two hours that I spend prepping for this show is 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 leveraging my skill set to the best of my abilities, not having to spend any time editing or posting or recording or doing any of that any of that stuff. The whole platform is provided by Voice America. Having that is is a gift i have, I have leveraged my resource their available resources to the, to my advantage so that i can do the things i do well and offload the stuff that i don't do well i think a lot of times people get hung up this is why we talk about investing time let's just say that um that voice america wasn't available to me but i needed to find somebody who could do it for me that's called investing your resources. I'm looking for a re who's a, who can help me with what I'm working on. Who can do it better, faster, smoother, more efficiently than me? So I find that person. What is it? You know, what's involved? Well, first of all, it may cost me money. I may have to spend some time explaining to them how this works or what I want to accomplish and how it looks when it gets there. But once I've done that, I've spent the hour training somebody or the two hours training somebody or you know, ongoing time training somebody. What I've done is I've invested that time that maybe not have been available at the time, but guess what? Now that I've invested that time and I got it moved on, ta-da, somebody else has picked it up. And I now I have time to focus on the things I do best. And that's the same thing when somebody asks me, you know, Dave, can you help me with whatever? I love being a restart to people, but there are some times where I look at it and say, I'd love to help you with that. Let's talk about what you want to accomplish, how you want to accomplish it, you know, what it looks like when you get there. And let's talk about who who you're looking for or how you can find the resources to, to get that done, because I'm not your person. Um, they they like to think that I am. They're coming to me because they want my help. And a lot of times they say, yeah, I'll help you. And then we start to dive in and I realize, oh, my gosh, I suck at this. But now I've made a commitment 
And now I'm spending time on something that I'm not good at or that I'm not passionate about, or I'm struggling to do as, you know, do the kind of job that I feel like I've committed to for that individual. The best thing to do before they do that is when somebody calls you up and you want to be help them out, help them out in a way that serves both of your best interests. Don't spend time on things that you're not good at. Spend time on things that you're good at and find resources for the things that you're not. That's so important. And I think a lot of times we get caught, you know, trying to figure it out and trying to do it and trying to learn. And maybe if learning is a good exercise, you know, 10 years ago, I did a podcast. I did my own podcast. I know how to do it. 15 years ago, I taught people how to do podcasts. Um, So I can do it. I know how to do it. I also know that I'm not very good at it. I also know that I don't have a lot of passion for it. I also know that I don't have the time to do it. So I offload it. I created a habit for to have somebody else do it so that I can focus on the habit of doing the things I do best, which is focus on the radio show. Um, now everybody goes, yeah, but Dave, here you are. You're guestless. Guess what I did? I did not spend any time the last two weeks looking for a guest. Okay. I lost control of my schedule and I just said, I kept saying, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I didn't make time for it. Shame on me. And that's a sign of what happens when you let stuff fall through the cracks. I'm solo today because I let stuff through fall through the cracks. Um, uh, on the road, planning my trip back to Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. I created a different set of priorities and I lost sight of what was most important. The things that I needed to spend time on one of them being having a guest. That's what happens when you like um, don't maintain your routines or your habits. I was in a different environment. Just because the environment changed didn't mean to, that my habits had to change, but I allowed my habits to change because of the change in environment and I lost control of my time. It's that simple. And that's how fast it happens. So when we're talking about habits and the things that serve you and the things that help you and all that other stuff, if you find things that work, Stick with them. Be consistent. Uh, Maintain consistency. Um, Build discipline around it. And if you find something that isn't working for you, then you need to step back and say, okay, how do I change this up in a way that I don't change everything else? Or if as things move, I don't lose something. That's, That's really what habit forming is all about, is understanding what's working, what's not working, and how you can do things differently or better. That's the key to this thing. But you need to understand what's important, why it's important, how you've been doing it, what you can do, how you can do it differently or leverage a different set of skill sets or a different resource. And you move things around, but you make sure you, once you move them around, you keep them, you know, you, you keep them on the list. Like, for example, the, you know, moving things around, uh, finding a guest, having a guest for this episode was oh, fell through the cracks because I moved things around and lost sight of something that was important. And I allowed a habit, to a, a temporary habit to interrupt my permanent habit. I lost focus. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about um, creating those habits um, and maintaining them. And so that they're sustainable, they're repeatable, and those other things. And then also, too, how you learn to adapt, better adapt to the things that interrupt how you manage your time. Because I think that that's what happens. There is, oh, yeah, something came up. Things always come up. How do you plan for that? You can plan for things to come up. 
I just don't think that we realize that we can because we feel like it's a fire drill. But that's the point. It's not a fire drill. If it is a fire drill, then we should be prepared. That's just like we did in school. We had fire drills. We prepared for it. So anyway, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about how we create habits, form habits that work for us, and then um, how we maintain them to in a way where we have the time that we have need to do the things that we want to do. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. And we're back. This is David Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. And we are talking about habits time and anything else that comes out of my head at this point in time. So when we talk about um, habits and time and the idea that um, how do I manage time? How do I gain time? How do I find time? You know, I am a, I am a big believer that um, it's just, it's just a matter of organization and, and even, even planning for the disaster. Um, And the reason I say that is um, when I was a sales guy way back when in New York City, and we're talking a long time ago, 1985. So what is that? 38 years? I can't do the math that fast. But 38 years ago, I used to have to get in my car and drive into uh, over the George Washington Bridge into the one of the uh, four of the five boroughs. I didn't have Staten Island as a sales territory, but I had um, I had Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, uh, Long Island, and Westchester County. And 
A um, couple things that I learned really early on as I, you know, as I learned to commute as a, uh, in my car driving over the bridge, I didn't get to take public transportation, a train like a lot of people did. But one of the things that I learned is, is that if you get to the bridge at a certain time, the wait is pretty long. And, you know, those days, uh, all we had was the radio. We didn't have, um, you know, and all I had in my car was AM radio. And they would say the wait at the they would say the wait at the tunnel and the, the different tunnels and stuff and the wait at the George is forty minutes and what they're saying is is that you line up and you spend forty minutes waiting to pay the toll to cross over the bridge. And so um, one of the things that I learned very early on is is that and and this is you know this is my determination this is why I think you know I'm so uh, such a believer that there's always a way to save time. Um, pulling up as you're pulling into Fort Lee, where the tunnel is, there's a big sign that says last exit before the toll. And one day I thought, you know, I know that there's an entrance for all the people who live in Fort Lee right there at the foot of the bridge. There's an entrance for them. There's got to be a better way. So I just, over the course of a couple of weeks, investing time over the course of a couple of weeks, I would take the last exit before the toll exit. And I would start to drive all these side streets and main roads and all this stuff. With a, My quest was, I want to find the entrance ramp and the toll booth at the front of the, the, front of the line for the people in Fort Lee, because I was told it's always a lot shorter, you know, because obviously they don't want, you know, hundreds of people backed up into the streets. So there was the, the toll booth and stuff like that at Fort Lee was much shorter. The trick is navigating all the side streets and main streets and all that stuff through Fort Lee to get there. And I would say it took me two weeks zigging and zagging and turning and getting, you know, stuck on some other thing. And finally I did find the toll, but I couldn't remember how I got there because it was very circuitous. But after about two weeks, I could like when the wait for the bridge was 40 minutes for the rest of my career as a sales guy, I could get over the bridge in 15. Took me two weeks, took me a lot of 40 and 50 minute waits, but I picked up uh, 25 to 30 minutes by getting to the bridge. But here's the trick. I had to be at that exit before 7.30 in the morning. The reason being is after 7.30, the road that I use to one of the most important roads that I use closes and it becomes the... Uh, basically the parking lot or the parkway for a school and you have to go around it and going around it is a disaster. So I learned that if I could get to the bridge by 7.30, I could get over the bridge in 15 minutes. So if I got to the bridge at 7.35, it was 40 minutes. So anyway, well, that's what I learned. Investing time to make a change. I said, there has to be a way for me to do something and I'm going to find out if I can. I created, I created an objective. I tested different theories. I found a habit that works for me. And then when my boss got in the car, you know, the first time I that he got in the car with me and he's like, whoa, 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 where are you going? Um, I said, trust me. And then I pop over the bridge and show him my little 15-minute, you know, escape route. He goes, that's pretty impressive. How'd you find that? Figured it out, boss. I was determined to find a way to save more time and I found it. So that's, that's you know, kind of how you do oh. these things. The other thing that I learned in New York City is that I was never late for anything, no matter what the traffic was. How'd that happen? I wish I could tell you, um, but I had a sen I have a sense of time. So when I scheduled things and people say, what time can you be there? I can be there around two o'clock because I got a meeting somewhere else at 11, blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, no matter what happened, I was never late. 
well, I shouldn't say never, like absolutely never, but it just seemed like everything went always went according to plan. So I always, so somewhere in there, I had developed a conscious habit of how long it takes for me to get places, how long it's going to take in traffic for me to get, what are my options if I'm stuck in traffic to get out and find a different way um, that would be faster than the traffic jam, but maybe not as fast as my normal way, or like with the Fort Lee thing, you know, magically found some way that was faster. I was determined that there had to be a way, and I challenged myself to find it. So when we talk about creating habits that work for us, now sometimes it starts out with just simply that is how I need to be better at, or I need to find more time to, or I need to find some time to, um, but whatever it is. So what you need to do is you need to create little, you, you create goals for yourself. And, the, and, and they have to be, when you're talking about creating change, they have to be easy, they have to be simple, and they have to be repeatable. Easy, simple, repeatable. When we're looking to change things up, we can't change up everything because that isn't, that's complex. Our days are complex. Our schedules are complex. They've got a lot of details, a lot of moving parts, a lot of stuff. So you can't necessarily say, I'm going to change everything for the better, because what happens is that you you just lose control of it. Just like I said, you know, my goal was, how do I plug in six o'clock yoga class? Okay, that's easy in the scheme of things. It's like, I need to move this so that I'm at yoga at six o'clock in the morning and watch everything move. Easy, simple, repeatable, because the other things are habits. They just change times. And so that's pretty easy. I'm just moving some parts and pieces around times. I'm not getting into a whole complex change where I'm going to now do yoga five days a week. And all this. So it was one day, one change to a different time. Easy, simple, repeatable. But what you got to do is you got, you know, when you're doing that, you got to decide, you know, what is it? What is it that I need to do? And what does it look like? So the, what James Clear says is that you need to you need to cue your brain. It says, I, for example, I need to get up earlier to work out. So what's the cue there? Uh, you know, better health. My, I'm, my health is important to me. Okay. So you say, okay, my health is important to me. And your brain says, okay. You put that in your head and you say, okay, health, exercise, get up early. Health, exercise, get up early. Let's just use that as the outcome. So then what you say is, what do I, you know, what do I need to do? Well, I need to get up early. That's the cue. I want better health. I need to find time to work out. The cue is because I want to have better health. I need to lose weight. I need to start my, I have a better mindset over the course of my day or over the course of my lifetime, whatever that. And so then what you do is you go to um, the response, right? The cue is, um, the, the cue is better life, better health. The craving is what I need to do, work out. The response is what's the behavioral shift? What do I need to do? I need to find time to work out. And what's the reward? The celebration at the end of the at the end of the workout that I did it. Right? So you create these simple little things and say, I need to get up earlier so that I can work out and and and, and I and work out. And enjoy the, the the rewards and the benefits of the exercise so that I have better health. 
when you put that all in context, you will find time things because you've you've now put it in 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 perspective. I think a lot of times people say, you know, um, in fact, I will use my my favorite example because it's such a popular example. And unless you're you know, downright skinny by nature and your metabolism um, allows you to eat seven thousand calories a day and you never gain any weight, and by the way, you know, you are the most fortunate person in the world. But for the most of us, um, we've all gone at some point in time where we've kind of like wrestled with the number on the scale or how we feel about the way our clothes fit us or the way we look in the mirror. And so we say, I need to lose weight. Well, for me, um, losing weight is one of those things that um, it's not motivating enough. Because, <laughs> you know, they look at the scale and you have a number and say, I need to I need to change the number that shows up on the scale. And then what happens is I get frustrated when I change and when I start doing things because the numbers don't change fast enough. The reward is the scale. And the reward, you're not getting, you're not getting that daily gratification that comes from looking at the number. What you do though is if you say I'm going to live a healthier lifestyle, and in order to live a healthier lifestyle, I am going to alter the uh, the foods I eat. I'm going to eat less whatever, and I'm going to eat more whatever. Um, it's not like I'm going to give up. Really, what I encourage people to do is not say I'm giving up something. What is I'm going to start eating more? And so, you know, we, it's, it's, a, it's subtraction by addition. I bring something in that's better for me and it replaces by default something that's not as not good for me. And that's how I create a change in my life. So I say, you know, Hey, I want to have a better lifestyle. I want to feel, have more energy. I want to feel better about myself. Okay. What do you need to do? I think I need to eat more fruits and vegetables. Good. Start doing that. And as I eat more fruits and vegetables, I'm finding that I'm satisfied and I'm not hungry. And all of a sudden, I'm not eating the cookies and the potato chips at night because I'm satisfied and I feel energized and I feel good about myself. And it's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't even sound good. So that that habit is right there. The, the cue is I want to have a healthier lifestyle. The craving is I need to start eating more fruits and vegetables. You know, I mean, the craving is um, I know that I need to, you know, to examine my diet or what, you know, what I put into my mouth. And the response is, I'm going to start eating more fruits and vegetables. The reward, I feel better about myself because I'm eating things that that I know serve my objective, which is to feel better. So that's how that works. But the problem is we get married to things, you know, and, and again, keeping with the, with the, with the dietary, um, we get married to that. I get married to things. I, you know, I used to eat pizza every Friday night was pizza night. For some reason, I'm not eating it anymore. And I don't know why. Um, except that I did have pizza last weekend in Detroit. I bought a large um, pizza from my local pizza guy, and I love his pizza. It's it's amazing, and you know pepperoni, Italian sausage, and um, green olives, and there was something else. And I got a large. It was just me. Of course, in two days I ate it. Six slices each day. There's nothing healthy about that. Sure, it's gratifying, but then I go for a bike ride the next day, and I'm feeling sluggish and tired. I say, yeah, dude. Um, you didn't eat your fruits and vegetables. You ate your junk. And so you're right. So, yep, got to get back to that habit of eating the things that make me feel good, make me feel better, that I celebrate. When I break the routine, I know it. I feel it. I sense it. And so, like, that's what it is. So it's the cue. What triggers? What do you want? Um, the, what do you want to celebrate? The crave. What do you know you need to do to do that? The response. How are you going to do that? And the reward celebrate the accomplishment. And, but the key to all that is keep it simple. 
keep it simple, just change it up. And and so when we're talking about, like I was talking earlier about um, making time, it's the same thing is, is that I don't have enough time to, I don't have enough time to spend on something. Okay, what is it? What can you do? What can't you do? Or what can you do? And what do you need help with? And so my thing is, is I'm always looking for resources, people who do things better, more efficiently than me that need to get done in my life. And I could do them. And sometimes I have to do them. But in all cases, I challenge myself to say, what things can I offload to somebody else who's better than that? And what's it going to, what's it going to involve? And what's the, what's the reward? That's this whole thing about changing habits. We get in this mindset that I have to, I, only I can, or um, there's, the, you know, you said, well, I've tried that. I've looked at that. I've explored that. Sure. And then when was that? Two years ago, 10 years ago, technology's changed. People's changed. Connections have changed. Everything's changed. When's the last time you challenged yourself to look at something differently? And the reason that you haven't is because you're, quote, unquote, too busy to step back. Yeah, no, I call bullshit on that. You're not too busy. You're too lazy. If you challenge yourself, it's if it's important to you, you will. If it's not important to you, you won't. So you won't. That's okay, but don't make excuses. Just say I've, I've decided that it's it is what it is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna live with it. Back to my friend who said, I don't think that I can get up earlier to work out because I think it's important for me to be home when my daughter gets up for school. Perfect. Then don't say that you can't get up. Say that I've chosen not to get up early and go to the gym because this is more important to me. Give yourself permission to accept the decision that you've done. Don't make excuses and don't blame the situation because she had options. And I'm not judging the decision because I, I honor it. I think nothing's more important than family. I come back to Arizona because my grandsons live here. If I didn't have grandsons or a family and I was a selfish single bachelor, I would have left Arizona years ago and gone back to Michigan. But I can't. No, I've chosen not to because family's so important. And this is where my family is. So now it's like, how do I make that work? How do I make that work? What habit can I change? What habit can I improve or insert to make it work so that I can be in Michigan as much as possible? Hence, my little summer sojourns to Michigan every year. I've been traveling every summer. I go away. I leave Arizona for eight weeks. I kind of wandered around with my bicycles in my car and I did different things. But, you know, it's like how many adventures, eight week adventures can I do? Those, you know, those are fun. They're nice, but I'm doing them by myself. But I've created a construct for myself, a situation in Michigan through this whole process where I get to work in Michigan. I get to live in Michigan. I get to play in Michigan for eight weeks every summer. And I get to come home and spend and and, and come back home and, and celebrate the time that I get to have with my grandsons and my family to, you know, because this is where they are. I changed the habit, but I changed it. I, I examined it, explored it, and challenged myself to create a way that says and make this work. And so that's really what I think we need to do is go back to that cue, crave, response, reward. Make it easy, simple, repeatable. You're not going to roll out of bed and train for a marathon. If you never run, you're not going to train for a marathon by starting out running five miles a day for five days a week for the next 10 weeks. 
can't do it unless you've been running rather consistently you're upping from four to five so what you say is yeah i haven't ridden i haven't run in a couple of years but i like to run and i've set a goal and objective to run a marathon in six months um so what do you do you say well the first step is i need to you know the element that triggers the brain is i want to run a marathon the craving is i need to start running more further the response is how do i do that how do i create a situation where i can run more and you make it a priority and you fit it in you make a commitment to it and what's the reward every day that you go for a run you're closer to running that marathon and as you look out that's okay but you know a mile a day five days a week isn't going to be enough fine so then you you decide how over the course of time i'm going to start to slowly systematically change how far i run not necessarily how often maybe if you started out three days a week and upped it to five but what you do is is that it's easy simple repeatable time is not what we think it is the only reason that we struggle with time is that we allow ourselves to tell stories um about you know that i don't have control over it liar you have control over two things your attitude and your effort and your attitude and effort can help you find ways to create time you can say no to people when they ask you you can say yes but yes i'd love to help you but this window of time i've made a commitment to myself to run I've made a commitment to myself is that this is my personal development time. I've made a commitment to myself that this is whatever, um, that I'm going to start cooking more. Um, so you can say yes, but, and you say, but I'm willing to help you out. If we could talk about maybe another window of time where I can help you or another expectation that you have for me so I can be a resource for you because I do want to help you. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes they say, I don't see where I'm going to fit that in but let's talk about it so I can solve for the problem. And I think that that's really what happens is I think that we sometimes react to the challenge and we say, oh, don't have time. Or you say yes and lose track of it because you didn't think about the impact of inserting yourself and spending an hour on something and, and the impact that that has on the routine. So, you know, that that's kind of, you know, why I think it's so important that you understand what habits serve you, what habits don't serve you. And you use this cue, crave, response, reward mechanism to identify the need and the objective and the shift and a way to celebrate it so that you acknowledge that you're doing this for you in a way that serves the big picture, greater interest. I have a client several clients that tell me that um, that they they never seem to get the stuff done that they that you know that they make a list for every day I hear that a lot first of all I don't make lists but that's a different story I say that also too with a smile on my face because I I look at a list a to-do list is really a disappointment list if I make a list of all the things I want to accomplish I'm ambitious I'm demanding I expect a lot of myself I make these stupid ass lists that are so long and I'm going to check things off. And it seems like I carry more things forward than I check off because I'm so obsessed with the list that I'm not really getting work done. I'm looking at the list. But anyway, we can we could talk about that some other day. But here's the deal is that people say, yeah, I just feel like, you know, I, I, I go to work. And next thing I know, it's the day's over and I haven't done the things that I needed to do. So I learned this a long time ago. Um, and there was a there was a, uh, a cute little name tag to it. But the idea being was, is that the before I start my day, before I end my day, I organize my tomorrow. I organize my future. I look out and say, before I turn off the lights, what do I need to accomplish tomorrow? The most important thing that I need to accomplish. 
What are some of the other things that are on the horizon I need to start thinking about? What are some deadlines that I know I need to hit? Before I leave, I make mental notes of those things, sometimes physical notes, but it's not a list. It's more like just a reminder of some of the things I need, some things to do. And the next morning when I come in the office, the first thing I do is attack the list, the, the thing that I said, I have to get this done today. I do that first. And I don't check my email. I don't answer my phone. I get in the office early. Before the day finds me, I get some the most important thing in the day done for me. And so then eventually somebody will come into my office or the phone will ring or they'll bang on my door and I'll they'll say, can I, you know, do you got a moment? And the day starts and I've lost control of the day in quotes, obviously, but the day starts and I'm pulled into the activities of the day. But because I spent 15 minutes the night before planning and 15 to 30 minutes in the morning executing, I've gotten my day off to a place where I can have a couple of the most important thing has already moved on or I'm prepped for the, uh, to do it over the course of the day so that when I get the time to do it, it's in motion. I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not organizing. I'm not doing anything. So rarely do I miss deadlines. You know, I'd love to say I never miss deadlines, but that would like, rarely do I miss deadlines. Rarely do I meet objectives. Like, for example, with this radio show, the reason I did is because I didn't organize myself. And I know I was gustless today because I let it go. I let it lag. And it's a perfect example of a guy who's like telling you about having discipline and structure and, you know, a process. You know, even even I ran out of time to do something because I didn't plan it out and build it into my routine um, as part of my day. I let it slip. So anyway, um, yeah, I know this was all around the board, but it's just really important to remember is that you have the opportunity to manage and control and influence your day. You have the opportunity to accomplish the things you desire to accomplish. The trick is, is to look at each one of those things in their increments and say, how do I fit in what I know I need to accomplish in a way that serves the greater good? Sometimes I have to do it myself. Sometimes I have to do it, you know, early when nobody needs me, sometimes whatever. But if you look at those things and you structure your day in such a sort of way or structure your routine or your habits in such a way, you'll find that you can, you know, get over the bridge in 15 minutes instead of get over the bridge in 40 minutes because you took the time to figure it out and actually spent time to execute the plan necessary to do it. You built discipline into it that you never departed from it unless you found something better or you realized that what you were doing wasn't working for you. So anyway, that's the story is that habit forming is up to you. How you form your habits, how you execute your habits, how you accomplish the goals that you've desired for yourself are entirely up to you. It's dependent upon how you use your time, how you leverage your time, how you invest your time, and also how you waste it. So anyway, this is Dave Cook. Next week, I will have a guest. I know who it is. It's Madam D and her four male voices talking about um, dealing with trauma um, and pain and things It's called um, Stopping the Silence, Share Your Story to Heal. And it's going to be a really great conversation. I know it because I've already talked to them all. I can't wait. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. Remember, open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. Because once you start listening, everything changes. This is David Cook. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. 
We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.